This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ community radio station, Joy 94.9. Call 1300 Joy 949. Joy 94.9. Good evening, Pete Dillon. Hello, Serena Ryan. I'm wondering if we can just christen tonight's show something different. Like, I'm in the mood for something different. I want to mix it up and keep it real. Let's call it Holidays and Whoop Ass. Holidays and Whoop Ass. And Two why, you might ask, <laughs> Salt and Pepper listeners, it's just a little bit after 11 o'clock tonight here in very cold Melbourne town. You and I are both about to go on holiday. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm a number of sleeps away from being in the sun. And, and I'm, I'm not far excited. off myself. So you're off to. <laughs> I'm off to uh, a little island in the Andaman Sea, Malacca Strait, off the coast of Thailand called Koh Hai. And I'm off to Bali, my Island. ancestral home, yes, if you like. I've yes. spent a lot of time there over the years because my parents have lived there on and off for 30 years. So I feel like I'm going home. Yes, and I feel like I'm just going to this <laughs> bloody warmth. I'm thinking massages. I'm thinking cocktails. I'm thinking sleeping completely stark as a not being cold. And that's all done oh. before 11 a.m. Oh, look, it's going to be great. So we've, look, we've actually um, set a, a, a ceiling on we can't have our first cocktail until 11 a.m. Yes, well, I've decided that we'll apply the same, but um, using Melbourne as the standard time. Oh, which means 8am. Yeah, man. Oh, bring that Oh, on. good. So bring that's that that's kind on. of the thinking. So I'm here next week, but you are not. No, I'm not. So I'll be hosting next week with the lovely Kath, Kath Anderson. Anderson. We're bringing so her off the interchange bench she's again. She's back off the bench. Um, she's going to, you know, you're going to pass the baton. Yeah. And uh, the following week, we're both away. So there's going to be a little bit of a special. And mm. part of that special may be part of tonight's program. replay. D- we've got a big one. Depending on how it goes, because we we did mention holidays and whoop ass. Uh, Please explain the whoop ass. Well, I love, you and I love to open a can of whoop ass. We do. That's essentially what I'm referring to. And so tonight we will speak to Shirley Phelps Roper. She's the daughter of Fred Phelps, uh, the founder of the Westboro Baptist Church. Also known as GodHatesFags.com. Oh, and, and GodHatesAmerica.com. And, and so God Hates Australia and God Hates Muslims. But their, their trading name online is GodHatesFags.com. Mm, yes, um, they are a fundamentalist extremist group. Of a Baptist nature, the well, primitive old school Baptist mm, leanings, which is a particular uh, arm of the Baptist uh, crowd. But they have been uh, divorced from any association with any of the major Baptist organisations in the United States simply by virtue of the fact that they're nutbags. They've also Indeed. been, um, you know, the Ku Klux Klan have uh, distanced themselves. Um, Look, it's a really interesting moment for us, Pete, because they typically don't talk to gay people because they hate them and they smite. Yes. They'd like them to be, is it smited? Oh, to smote. Be, to be smote. would be smote. Oh, look, be smote. Um, we know that they did uh, an interview with Liz Hayes from 60 Minutes and we played some audio of that last year and mm. um, we're not aware of them talking to many gay people live mm. um, in Australia and we know that they, they don't actually love Australians and, and we hope to get to the bottom of that tonight. Um, you know, it, it, it should be an interesting interview really mm. because Shirley's got a particular profile in the media. She's, she does. She's something of a um, fundamentalist. She's very passionate about her views and it's, mm. it's going to be interesting to kind of unpack that with her tonight should she allow that. Yeah, that's. I think that's going to be the bigger issue. Um, having sort of done a whole bunch of research and looking online at, at where the family sits and some of the stories, 
54 grandchildren of Fred Phelps sort of make up the bulk of this cult, and mm-hmm. I'm going to call them a cult. Look, they are a cult, Pete, and they've got 40 active members currently, but they've just hemorrhaged about 20 members mm. in the last six months. So something's not quite right. In well, there's been, there's been all manner of allegations levelled at them, including to Fred Phelps himself, child abuse, um, you know, some fairly severe physical beatings of, of his children. He had nine children. I would al- well, I'd also ask Pete, just building on that, whether or not um, bringing people into a cult, which is what the church is, is a form of child abuse in and of itself. Well, th- those charges have been levelled uh, or alleged, those allegations have been levelled. I'm just trying to be very careful. Uh, those allegations have been levelled as at them as well. Um, there was also uh, Shirley herself was... Um, uh, alleged to be committing some form of child abuse or um, disrupting a minor by allowing them to step on the American flag, um, her son Jonah, uh, to step on the American flag at uh, a picketing of a, a funeral. Um, they do a lot of picketing. They do, and I, and it's interesting. Their whole rationale around the picketing and is uh, is about um, you know people die in combat and they picket those army funerals, which in and of itself is is appalling. Um, they originally started their picketing in the late 90s with the death of uh, Matthew Shepard, mm. a young gay lad that was, uh, you know, fatally bashed as a consequence of being gay. Um, so they turn up at these funerals and, and basically mount the claim that, you know, God allows these people to be, be killed because... As America a, has as, become a fag enabler. Well, mm. yeah. Well, we, we need to repent for the sin that mm. is homosexuality. Homosexuality is their number one... Bugbear. It's their number one beef. They're also anti-Semitic. They're also anti-Muslim. They're anti... Well, they're anti-Christian. They're anti-Catholic. They hate the Catholic Church. They have called um, Pope Benedict all manner of of nasty things, which for the most part I probably agree with. Mm. Um, They have uh, called Obama, Barack Obama, the Antichrist. That's a big call. Um, So, look, you know, they're, they're... there's a there's a question around some of the sanity about some of the discussions, and that I, they have. I, I I continually fail to see the connection between Christianity and, and, and religious beliefs and hatred, mm. and and I, I'm really unclear about that. And I think you know our recent interview with the Salvos, you know this builds on that. It's, mm. it's what's the disconnect here? You know the Salvos, you know they weren't calling for our physical death, just our spiritual death, and you know that's just our soul. Yep. So. I just want to open this up and see and just see where she takes it. So mm. we probably should kick off with a song because yes. all of our songs tonight are about gay pride because yes. we know that the, the, the Westboro Baptist Church tweets uh, prolifically. We know that we're going to be on their radar yes. after this tonight because we will make the audio available to them and we welcome them to distribute it. So every tune tonight is about gay pride. Well, it's about celebrating our identity and who well, we are. And who we are mm. and, and, you know, the fact that we were born this way. So we're going to kick off with John Barrowman. Is yep. that right? We are kicking off with John Barrowman. Um, his version of I Am What I Am, it's a showstopper. It's big. Um, we love it. I am what I am. I am my own special creation So come take a look Give me the hook Or the ovation It's my world That I want to have a little pride in My world And it's not a place I have to hide in Life's not worth a damn 
until you can say. Hello, this is Alison Moyer. You're listening to Joy 94.9. You are listening to Joy 94.9. It's uh, uh, Salt and Pepper yes, tonight. Yes, you're listening to Salt and Pepper. Oh, for the, for the hour of mm. power between 11 and 12. And for the last time, we'll be in the room together until next month, until uh, September. I know, until we're off to sunnier climes. Yes, indeed. Actually, no, it will be the end of August. We're back. 20, I think so. 20, 28th. 28th. Yes, yeah, we'll be back like together. It. We will. Back on deck together. Um, also on deck with us right now is we have uh, Ms. Shirley Phelps Roper on the phone from the Westboro Church in uh, Kansas. She is the uh, spokesperson for the Westboro Baptist Church. Um, I, use, I, I'm, I still am concerned about the use of the word church, but we'll get her to define their, their position. Um, she joins us to discuss why God hates fags, primarily, and they're the questions we're going to be directing at her. So um, we have her on the line, I believe. And, and we welcome Shirley to Salt and Pepper. Good evening, Shirley. It's Serena and Pete. Welcome to our show, Salt and Pepper. Uh, hi, thank you. Shirley, one of the reasons we wanted to, to speak with you as, as the spokesperson for the Westboro Baptist Church is around um, your, your stance against, first of all, against homosexuality. You, you, uh, you allege that God hates fags. Where does that come yes. from? Oh, my goodness. Well, you'd have to start with Romans 1, but actually go back to Genesis. 13 and Genesis 18 and 19. Can you be a Judges bit more specific 19. rather than just just throwing those those passages at us? Do you know what those passages actually say? I do, I do. Genesis 18 and 19 is the story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Genesis 13 is where it starts talking about it and says they were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. If you go straight from there to the second to the last book of the Bible, it says that that thing that happened at Sodom, was an example for the whole world to see to anyone who would afterward live ungodly. And it says specifically the two things that they did was fornication and going after strange flesh. Just just on that fornication, Shirley, I, I just want to jump in there. You yourself guilty of that very sin by having a child out of wedlock when you were young. How does that how does that sit with your your beliefs when you yourself have in fact you know, are a perpetrator of that very sin of fornication. Well, let me see if I understanding your question. Are you are you asking me if there are human beings that have never sinned? No. What I'm saying Here's is that answer, you're you're though. holding let, to let's, a. Let's get the let's just get to the answer. There is no forgiveness without repentance, and if God does not give you repentance, then you will uh, never do it. You'll never repent. You'll never put away your sin, you'll never um, obey, and you'll go to hell. Okay, I'm just, I'm just going to take this back. Let's talk about a nation who has some policies, a generation who has some policies, a people, you understand? I'm talking to some people. I don't know your sins, and I'm not interested in knowing your sins. I'm talking to you about the policy of the people to disobey God and to put him behind your back and to pretend that his commandments are anathema and irrelevant, even as your nation is being burned and flooded and other trauma. And this nation is in trauma daily. God sent the shooter again yesterday. Okay, I'm just, ago, I'm just going to... God gonna, sent the shooter to the theater. You know, Shirley, I'm just going to stop you there. I want to just take this down a notch and move a little bit away from from some of the stuff you're saying. And, and, and tell me about... 
tell me about how your father started at this church because I believe you've got a really small fellowship that's about 40, but I believe you've lost some members in the last 12 months. I'm very interested to see <laughs> how you actually started this whole this whole belief that, that you seem to find very difficult to get people to, to support you on. You're so funny. They're not supporting us. This isn't about us. This is about the Word of God. And here's the answer to your question. This church began November of 1955 by the West Side, the East Side, excuse me, the East Side Baptist Church started this, and they asked my dad to be the preacher here, and he started preaching then, and he has been here, the only preacher that this church has ever had in these um, intervening years. And the question about the the doctrine, that's strictly Bible doctrine. Shirley, you you mentioned... And the Bible says that this day was coming when you wouldn't endure sound doctrine. But after your own lust, you keep to yourself teachers. They listen to what you want, and they tell you what you want to hear. But but this, isn't, this is exactly the, the same argument the that's been call. this is exactly the same argument that's been leveled against your organisation, which is not affiliated with any other major Baptist organisation in the United States. So to call it a Baptist church is a concern. But these things that have been leveled at your organisation is in fact that you don't preach anything that's love. You preach hatred. You preach hatred I mean, of what's America. That, what's that about? You hate everyone, or at least you seem to. And 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 shouldn't the Bible and it, and its tenets of loves and Christianity be? It should be about love and not about hate. Why does a loving God have to hate to make his point well let me put it this way you are sitting there running your mouth frankly i mean it's kind of shocking you talk about a thing you haven't even bothered to read the bible so you start talking to me about principles of love and a loving god my dear if you had read the bible you'd be blushing right now well quite frankly there's no chance of me blushing love quite frankly we we were both raised in 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 christian families we were both Wait raised with the with the Bible. Wait so a she asked me a question. I am not done. The Bible talks five to one more about the hatred and wrath and vengeance of God than it does about His love, which is reserved for His sheep, His elect, the penitent, not so, for the rebellious, not for the unrepentant, not for the proud. You know, you you can't say gay pride parade without incorporating the notion that it's opposite of repentance. You can't be proud and repentant. Repentance means you change your mind, you change your conduct, you mourn for those sins. Now, where are you going to fit that into a gay pride parade? I repeat, right at the I front. You say, you ask, why does God have to have wrath and vengeance and judgment and, as you call it, hatred, like as though you're going to try to equate God's perfect hatred to your foaming at the mouth, I hate you because you say something I don't like. No, it's a perfect righteous thing, his hatred. It's his determination to send the unrepentant to hell. And the reason he has to have it, that is an excellent question. The answer is, is because he can, when you create your own race, your own earth, your own world, then you make the rules according to the way you like them. These are the rules that the righteous God, here's the verse when it talks about Sodom, and he says to Lot that I'm going to tell my servants what I'm going to do to Sodom. And and he always tells his servants, he lets them see what's coming. 
And he says, because shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Absolutely. It's a righteous thing when God recompenses tribulation on an unrepentant, rebellious people who assault and otherwise mistreat his people because they're simply telling you out of kindness, mercy, and compassion what you're supposed to be doing for your own sake. It doesn't, it's no skin off my nose if you go to hell, except for the fact that it's wrong to stand by and let you go without warning you. And yet it's no skin off your nose if we go to hell. But, you know, you, you seem to think it's okay to do all of this picketing stuff. And and I, I, that's I just... How that's how we warn. That's how you warn. Yeah. yeah, but why do you involve children um, in this? Why do you why do you inculcate very, very young little people before they've had a chance to develop their own minds? Uh, how many children do you have? I'm we've, just asking. We've both got a couple of children in our lives. Okay, in your lives. Okay, well, I'm assuming that means they're your own. And and in which case, I will tell you that God takes a dim view of the, what we do with those children, short of teaching them the truth about His requirements, what He requires of them. So I have 11 children. My duty is every day, in every way, with everything that I do and say to teach them what the Lord their God requires of them. And that, my dear is why I take my children onto that picket line. And but, now yes, but yet, at least one of your own children has distanced themselves from you because of, of the way that you live your life and the way that you have inculcated your other children. That, that in itself... I'm sorry, did, I, did you think I said that we own salvation? No, did what I asked was about your own child. A rebel is a rebel is a rebel is a rebel. Here's what God says about it. Who is my mother and who are my brethren, by extension... Who are my children? These, he said, that do the will of God. A rebel is a rebel. They hate God, and it doesn't matter. God said, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to that generation of Jews, don't say that Abraham is my father. This isn't about blood. This is about who is going to serve God and who is not going to serve God. Well, clearly it is and about blood because the, the God are my loved ones. It is about blood because the organisation that you represent currently in having a discussion with us is almost entirely made up of members of your own extended family. So well, it is all about um, blood, and guy. therefore, therefore, there's sorry, let me finish. You asked me to, earlier to allow you to finish. I want to finish the question. So therefore, by virtue of what I've just said, of the fact that almost this entire organization is made up of your family, it is fair and reasonable to allege that you are, rather than being a church, that you are a, a cult. cult. <laughs> exactly. Where did you get a definition? Do you have a dictionary, hon? Why don't you look up that word cult? Like, I believe you should look up the word love. It describes modern Christendom. The Catholics, for example, they're the classic. They fit all the definitions of a cult. This uh, thing that you said about us being, you're exactly right. 70% of these people in this church are related to me either by blood or by marriage. So with that, having said that, I say, and how does that change God? And furthermore, do you know who went on to that ark when God destroyed this earth with the flood? Do you know how many souls were on that ark and escaped that destruction? Do and how many know? of them committed incest in, in creating Excuse the next me. generation? And, and, and therefore... Listen to you throwing up your view. Well, we've had you to listen to yours. You it's it's our turn. It's our turn. My question is, 
How many and who were they? Well, the if, if you read your book that you purport to represent. Eight, um, there were eight souls on that ark and they were all related. Correct. And so therefore, under Noah, any, any eye of the law, wife, that is incest. And their three sons and their wives. Okay, let me, let me ask you a question, Shirley. I'm going to go to your website here. Um, I, I, and you, you've got some numbers on the left-hand side of your, your website here. You've got all yes. of the stuff that you pick at and, and all of the soldiers that have died that you, that you say that, that God has killed. Um, tell me, how do you calculate the number of the people that God has cast into hell since the page is loaded? So since I loaded this page, it's about 1,700. How do you... Yes. How do, you, how do you get to 16 billion people that God killed in the flood? I mean, you know, if you want people to take you seriously, shouldn't you be dealing in some real facts rather than there, just cherry-picking from the Bible? And well, I mean, you know, the whatever shell, suits. Well, whatever suits. Okay, it's just like you just... That's a compound question. That's a compound question, but I'll ask it. I'll answer it. Please do. The way we get the numbers is because if you go to any, any government website that does that sort of thing, you know how many people die per second, per minute, per hour. It's not hard to set up. Any, any first-year uh, computer student can do that. The second thing is, is how you said how, what was, I don't even know what, where you were going with that last part. My what question was, was Shirley, how are you calculating um, how many people God throws into hell every time the page of your website loads? I mean, I just, okay. how do you expect people to take you seriously? Have you got like a number so counter down there? How do you get that data? Jesus Christ said, the Lord Jesus Christ said, that in these last hours of the last days of all, will he even find the faith on the earth? It is going to be so small, but yet so notorious. You're going to know who those people are. Look where you are. You're halfway across the world. I'm standing over here in Topeka, Kansas, and you're in Australia. And you know... Congratulations. You know a bit about geography. What? I said, well, clearly you know a bit about geography. We have to wrap it up here. Um, Shirley Phelps Roper is the spokesperson for the West Baptist Church. I, I mean, I guess, you know, this is um, this is not an interview that, that we feel has really gotten anywhere, but we do appreciate you sharing your views. But I can tell you one thing, Shirley, before we before we tie off tonight. Um, we repent nothing, know? mate. We, rep- we repent nothing. I know you know exactly. That's how we know how many are being cast into hell. Oh, and, on, and on that note, I think we'd probably add you proud. to that list tonight, mate. We'd probably add you to that list as well because if you can't preach from love and a good place, then there's really no hope for you or your family. We thank you kindly for your time tonight. Good night. Good night. Oh, my God. We better have a message and regroup, I think. We'll come Absolutely. back and discuss that in just a little minute. Thank you. Become a joint member so we can give you the best shows every day. The world's most uplifting station. Call 1300-JOY-949. JOY-94.9. Oh, Pete my Dillon. goodness. I need to go home and scrub myself dry and, yeah. and red raw. I just... I. I feel so Look, violated. Had, having said that, we invited the Westboro Baptist Church. To we talk invited to us. the wrath. We we did invite the wrath, and and so we have to accept responsibility for the way we feel post interview. But I. I Ninety percent of that was just blah 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 for me. I couldn't get any logic, and that was that's the biggest concern with that interview. There was a, an absolute lack of logic in the replies. I would agree. I, you know, you and I were looking at each other across the desk here and we were trying to find a way that we could wait for this woman to take a breath. And I think that's part of their MO mm. is that they don't take a breath. They just go with ambush and they have this 
this dialogue and this script that they just trawl out and it, it doesn't matter what question you throw at them. And, I mean, we came into this interview in good faith today. We wanted to play it with a really straight bat and try and try and un- unpack it a bit. This woman's a she's educated. She's a lawyer. I would have thought that she had some reasoned ab- capacity to, to argue. To argue. Mm. And, but clearly she didn't. She's just a bully. And thankfully, um, we need to thank Matt, our, our panellist tonight. He has very ably and very capably kept the volume of my microphone down <laughs> when I was speaking to her because the more impassioned I got, I think the louder I got. So if I did assault your ears as you're nodding off to That's sleep, all right. um, I, I do apologise. I just I, – I, one of the things that concerns me most about this organisation is the indoctrination of their children. The children have no choice. And they don't – they're not prepared to hear that. When we no. when we said to her, well, you know, you're inculcating these young kids mm. and then she wants to have a go at us about I, I didn't want to open up the gates to kids in our lives I didn't no. I didn't want to open and we that do have up. children in our life you know and it's none of her business because yep. I didn't want her to start calling us pedophiles and all sorts of nasty stuff well that's what she's leveled at, at, at the Catholic Church so Absolutely. again this, this organization that is on a par with her is a Christian organization that apparently is is governed by the same book but they um, don't they don't talk in terms of love like no. she she actually laughed at me Pete mm. I mean I, I'm, a, I'm a pacifist I think all you need is love love is the bottom line for everything I think that you do you work from a, a good heart yes you know you accept that there's people out there that are that are less good and Shirley's one of them mm. um, you know if she thinks that she's going to you know pitch up to the pearly gates when she carks it and they're going to let her in because she's done such good works I would encourage her to dress for warmer weather uh, <laughs> absolutely and what I did want to uh, in, to say that you know when an interview is everything, I wish I had have said that. Oh yeah, um, I kept thinking I can't get, I can't, I can't infiltrate this interview. No, and because, we couldn't get a logical know, discussion happening. We couldn't because, get a thread happening. No, no. Um, there, there's an old line that the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and yep. um, I somehow wanted to get that into our discussion with her. And look. You know, as, as I said, we invited the wrath. We invited the discussion. Look, we've had the Westboro experience now. We, we um, have been suitably violated by Shirley. We would encourage people to uh, perhaps share their thoughts about this interview mm. with the lovely Shirley on Twitter. Her Twitter handle is at Dear Shirley. That's yes. all one word. Um, go to GodHatesFags.com. All of the Twitter details are there for everyone. Mm. And um, we'd certainly encourage you to, to stand up and, and, and make your views known. We think that there is an onslaught of um, a Twitter abuse probably coming tonight after oh, this interview. Absolutely, we have no doubt. And we're prepared for that. So we would encourage people to get online. We've hired and an intern. <laughs> we've hired an intern for the next 48 hours to, um, you know, to, to manage what we think is probably an online wrath. And if, if you want to direct your attention following that interview to anybody, don't direct it at the station. Direct it to us. You can find us on Twitter, Salt in Pepper Joy. Uh, all one word. Uh, that's probably the best way to get to us. And, and to or you can send us an email, saltandpepper at joy.org.au. Mm. Um, we, do, we do encourage you to tell us what you think, and, and we've, always, we've always encouraged that. Um, as for the Westboro Church, it's, it's your decision how you, you plan to, to tackle them and, mm. and how you might convey that. Yes, it's, uh, it's a very interesting uh, discussion. It's about half past 11. Very shortly, we'll change tack significantly. We're going to speak to Lara Giddings. She's the Premier of Tasmania. Yes, she and is. And we're going to be speaking with her about that state's intention to legalise equal marriage. Um, and Lord knows what sort of floods, plagues and pestilence will be sent down because of it. And then later on, we're going to talk to a constitutional law yeah, expert as well. His name is so, Peter Black from QT you know, in Queensland. We're just going to have a, we're going to change tone here. Mm. You know, we're going we're to regroup. 
group and take a breath. I think we're going to play a tune now. Yes, we are. And this tune is another one that celebrates our um It's our community, our, our logical you know. We family. are who we are, our logical family. It's, it's We Are Family by Sister, Sister Sledge. Sledge. Let's Uh, That was Sister Sledge with We Are Family here on Joy 94.9. Salt and Pepper uh, is the program you're with. It's about half past 11 and uh, we're now joined by whom, Serena Ryan? The Premier of Tasmania, Ms Lara Giddings, our current number one person in the gay community that we love and adore because she's doing some amazing things in challenging the, uh, the Marriage Act. Good evening, Lara. How are you tonight? Good evening. I'm very well, thank you, and happy to join you on your show. Well, thank you for, you're, thank you're, you for joining uh, us. You are an individual gold medalist uh, in the Salt and Pepper Olympics because uh, <laughs> we've got you right up there on, on the dais for the, the simple fact that um, talk, talk us through this, this potential change in legislation in Tasmania where you, you intend to, to legislate for equal marriage on a state basis. Absolutely. We believe that the time is right to remove that last bit of discrimination that is in place that denies same-sex couples the same right as the rest of the heterosexual community has to, in fact, marry their partners. After all, same-sex couples love their partners as much as anyone else and want to be able to show that commitment and have the state recognise that commitment in the form of marriage. So we're going to go ahead with legislation that will allow for marriage in Tasmania. We expect it will be a bit of a difficult road to take in terms of potential challenges before the High Court, but it's an important principle and one that we're very proud to be able to push ahead with. Well, we're thrilled to see uh, Tasmania being the leader uh, in in you know the push for change, I, I've been doing some reading online and and obviously looking at this as a news item as it's as it's coming through. And there's some discussion around a, a loophole that you're leveraging on. Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, there's a, a lot of legal advice around this, and uh, of course nothing's clear cut in the world of law in that respect. And I expect that if this was to be challenged, that the High Court will need to make some determinations around the power of a uh, been able to legislate around marriage, what marriage constitutes in this day and age, and who in fact does have the ability to push ahead with that form of uh, law reform. But our advice uh, from various quarters shows that there's nothing to preclude the state government's been able to pursue legislation through our state parliament, and I am hopeful that it will be successful. If well, it's challenged, we'll go through that challenge. Up until 1961, marriage was in fact a state-governed uh, institution. Uh, so that that's sort of where you're coming at this from, isn't it? That it's it's always been a state-based thing and therefore states should have the power to legislate in, in this regard. Look, they're, they're complex legal arguments and you'd be better to get someone like George Williams, who's a constitutional law expert, to talk you through the various elements and the intricacies of the law itself. But essentially what they're saying is that uh, the Commonwealth Parliament is saying that they've legislated for marriage to be between a man and a woman and in that sense have abrogated their responsibility or their power to be able to legislate for other forms of relationships to also be able to participate in the marriage uh, process. So in abrogating that responsibility, that power uh, arguably actually now rests back with the state. So these are complex issues and uh, if it is challenged, I expect the High Court will have an interesting 
time as they work through the legalities of it all. Um, Lara, tell us, who do you think are going to be the biggest obstacles politically for you and, and your and your team to get this through? Well, in the first instance, the, of course, we'll have the debate in the lower house and there will be a conscious vote within the Labor Party for around this legislation and I expect that one of my members of my caucus will vote against the legislation and that's uh, very much in his right and we respect his views around that. What is a shame is that our Liberal opposition down here is not allowing that same right uh, of their members to be able to have a conscience vote because I know that there are members of the Liberal Party who would like to be able to support this legislation. So it's a shame that Will Hodgman's following the same path as Tony Abbott and denying those Liberal members the right to have their say. So that I expect we will get the legislation through the lower house and we will be working very hard to try to get the legislation through our Legislative Council. I think it will be a tight vote, but I do think it is possible to get it through the Tasmanian Parliament. And then we will be able to have same-sex couples married in Tasmania. Gosh, I'll be heading uh, across to I, Tasmania. I tell you what, we'll, we'll be on the, we'll we'll be on the, be first on the boat. Out. And I'm assuming that there's going to be somebody from the Noalition standing at the Constitution dock saying, stop the boats, stop the boats, because here That's come the gays good. to get married. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, there is a huge benefit, of course, from that for our economy. And that Look, the tourism boom, is it's, it's a no-brainer in terms of the injection mm. into your economy. I mean, you know, we're fairly cashed up mostly as a community. So mm. why wouldn't you do it just from an economical point of view? It's say, we'll save going to Denmark or, or anywhere else. Laura, one of the, the things I wanted to put to you, there has been um, already some vocal, uh, a vocal lack of support from some members of the federal ALP, one of whom I think is a representative in Tasmania, um, who have said that they will um, be investigating federally how this can be stopped. Uh, we're going to speak to Peter Black in just a little while. He's a law lecturer and political commentator from the um, Queensland University of Technology. Um, but... From a from a, a, a state based perspective, Christine Milne from the Greens has announced support from the Greens in this. Um, how much of a, an advantage do you have in both houses of Parliament? Well, I think it is important to recognise that the Australian Labor Party is a, a large party. We're a broad church in that respect, and we have varying views within it. What was interesting in Tasmania at our state conference over the weekend, we had about twenty percent of our party not support the motion and uh, to support gay marriage in Tasmania, but 80% of the party did support it. I was also part of the debate at the National Conference in Sydney where there was a, a large proportion of the party who supported it and a number who did not. But in the end, we all supported the rights of our Labor colleagues in the federal parliament to have a constant vote. And that's what I think is really important in this debate. And of course, I would hope that the federal parliament would support this as well. And part of what we're doing here is adding to the momentum for change, because I do believe we've reached that tipping point across Australia where more Australians than not want to see this discrimination removed. Well, polls this morning are suggesting that, again, we're looking at um, 70% of female voters, uh, at least 62% of um ALP voters, and now there's been a slight drop, but in, in more than 52% of coalition voters all want to see this changed. If the precedent is set by Tasmania, um, is it likely that, um, in particular, the ACT, South Australia and the Northern Territory, all whom are under uh, Labor governments, would follow suit? Well, 
Well, certainly the ACT have uh, indicated very quickly and uh, in fact they've been wanting to pursue this themselves for some time that they would follow very quickly. Other states, I'm not aware of them coming out and saying one way or the other what they would do following this, but I would hope that what we would see is that sort of momentum being picked up across the Australian states that would help put pressure on the likes of Tony Abbott to allow for a conscience vote in the federal parliament and give us a better chance of getting this up through the Australian parliament and getting the change, which, as your polling suggests, a majority of Australians want. Lara, you know, given the the federal push at the moment, um, or the federal resistance, if you like, uh, what's the time frame for your process? Do you do you sort of have a, a goal to how quickly you will achieve this? We would like to have this legislation through the Tasmanian Parliament by the end of the year, and uh, as quickly as possible in that respect. We still have to ensure that we've got good, robust legislation so that it is challenged that it's as strong as it possibly can be to be able to withstand a challenge in the High Court. So there is a little bit of work that needs to be done around that, but my hope is that we will have this through the Tasmanian Parliament by the end of the year. Well, you have our, uh, just our, our total support here at Salt and Pepper, and if there's anything that we can do to help uh, promote the discussion um, across the ditch um, on the mainland, uh, we're only too happy to help you, and we, we applaud your initiative. And, and, you know, you got balls, lady. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, and I appreciate uh, that support as well. That's All a right. pleasure. The very best of luck to you. Thank you so much. We've just been thank chatting you. to Tasmanian's Premier Lara Giddings. Yes, and uh, clearly, like I said, sitting on the top of our gold medal tally right Oh, loving her sick right now. What, what a good lady. What, what's interesting, and I think she, she raised some very valid points in there, that um, you know, th- this loophole is, is, makes this very real. But I still have an image of Tony Abbott in his budgie smuggler standing at the top of the Derwent River um, saying, stop the boat, stop, stop the, the boat, boat. Stop the boat, um, and then he'll, you know. <laughs> it's about 13 minutes to midnight. We, Gosh, we it's need, getting up there, isn't it? I know. It? We need to speak to uh, Peter Black. He's a senior lecturer in law at the Queensland University of Technology. Uh, his areas of interest are constitutional law, internet law, and media law. So um, he's a prolific social media good. lover. He's, he's a good guy. So we're going to chat to Peter Black. Should we um, go to some messages very first? Very shortly, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll do that. We might I'd even throw in a song if we've yeah, time. Let's chuck a song in. Okay, this is Salt and Pepper here on Joy 94.9. Listen to Joy when you want, where you want, with the Joy app. Download it for free at joy.org.au. It's 12 minutes to midnight here on Salt and Pepper on Joy 94.9. It's very cold nights. It is. I wonder if it's as cold or a little bit balmier in southern Queensland. Well, one would expect. Next guest, uh, Mr Peter Black is on the phone. Yes, he's a senior lecturer in law at Queensland University of Technology. He teaches and researches areas of constitutional law, internet law and media law. You may have seen him on the drum or you may have seen him on Q&A. As you say, Serena, he does he gets get around. about a bit, doesn't he? What do you like, mate? Thanks for joining us so late in the evening. How are you, Peter? Uh, thank you. I'm good, thanks. That's oh, good. good. You're sounding very bright and cheerful. I do my best. It's pretty <laughs> actually cold up here. For, for Brisbane, it's cold. Really? Really. Mm-hmm. And what's cold to you, mate? Oh, about... 12 degrees. <laughs> we're, uh, lucky to have, we're lucky to have that as, our as a daily m- maximum. maximum. Jesus. That's why Serena and I are both <laughs> off on holidays to find this sun a bit later in the week. Look, hey, sorry. Sorry, yeah. we, um, we've had a really big show tonight, and when you listen back to this, you'll, you'll, um, you'll, you'll know why. Um, we've just spoken to Lara Giddings, uh, Premier of Tasmania, and her plan to uh, push through same sex uh, amendments to mm. the, the Marriage Act. And we wanted to have a yarn with you around. 
you know, the impact of this or, you know, what that looks like from a constitutional legal perspective. Mm-hmm. So um, what, what are the first possible impediments? There has been mention of a challenge in the High Court from, uh, from the federal government. Is that likely? I think it probably is likely. Um, there's certainly an argument that Tasmania can make that they have the power to do this, but we're not really going to know for sure as to whether they do until it ultimately gets tested in a court. So I would have thought that uh, either the, the federal government, or if not the federal government, then some other interested party may so no be to, Yeah, well, <laughs> well, the coalition or one of the uh, religious groups or one of the organisations... Oh, the Australian Christian Lobby, Lobby, more than likely. Jim Wallace uh, and his mob... Yes, they could potentially uh, bring a challenge. There'd be a, an, another really interesting question surrounding uh, standing if they were to do that. But I think someone probably would be able to bring a challenge to it and would ultimately get to see uh, what, what the High Court thinks because the, the Tasmanian position really is quite novel. In your area of expertise or one of your areas of expertise is, is constitutional law, is there anything currently that you could see in the Constitution, given that marriage was governed by states up until 1961, is there anything in the federal Constitution that you would see as an impediment or as an appropriate area for a, a High Court challenge to be mounted? Yes. Okay. So what happens is that, that marriage, as you say, is something that the state historically made quite a few laws in relation to but since sort of the 1960s it's been it's been a matter for federal law and that's because in the commonwealth constitution in section 51 of of the constitution it sets out a whole heap of areas where the federal parliament is able to make laws sort of subject matters and topics that the federal parliament can make laws on and one of those is marriage now those are what we call concurrent powers which means that both the Federal Parliament and the state parliaments can make laws about any of those subject matters, including marriage, that are listed in Section 51 of the Constitution. So that on its face doesn't appear to be you know, a, a, a problem. It's not an exclusive power that says only the Commonwealth can make uh, laws on that topic. The difficulty is there's uh, Section 109 of the Constitution, which deals with inconsistency of laws. So where you have a Commonwealth law and a state law that are on the same subject matter, The Constitution says that the Commonwealth law will prevail over the state law to the extent of any inconsistency. So the real constitutional challenge here would be uh, an argument that the Tasmanian law, if it it gets passed by their parliament, would be inconsistent with the Commonwealth law on marriage. And that's their loophole? Well, that, 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 that's, that's the argument that um, the, the people would make to try and argue that it is unconstitutional. Tasmania, mm-hmm. Tasmania's loophole or Tasmania's argument is saying, look, they're not inconsistent at all. They're dealing with two different things. The Commonwealth law deals with marriage between a man and a woman. That's the field that the Commonwealth law operates in, mm-hmm. whereas the Tasmanian um, government would be making the argument that their law has nothing to do with marriage between a man and a woman. It's dealing between a man, a man, a woman, a woman. That's right. It's, it's, it's dealing well, it's with between, same-sex marriage, which is a totally different mm. subject it's matter. It's dealing totally with two consenting area. adults, yeah. which is more gender neutral. Yeah, that's right. And, so, and, that, and that's, that's quite a novel argument. The, it is a novel argument. Peter, I just wanted to sort of jump back to Section 109. You, you mentioned yeah. sec- Section 109 of the Constitution, which um, talks about inconsistency in state versus federal law. 
Is there also something in the Constitution that points towards discrimination of a particular segment of society? Because I would wonder whether that part of the Constitution that talks about discrimination um, based around sexual orientation and gender presentation and all that sort of stuff would then almost override that Section 109 and make it moot in this Uh, case. Well, well, the answer is we we don't have uh, a section that deals with discrimination like that in our Constitution. The only thing we have that comes close is Section 117, which talks about discrimination, but only on the basis of residency, which means that one state can't discriminate against a resident of another state. Uh, That's the only discrimination provision that we have within our Constitution. I mean, our Constitution is quite unusual compared to most other constitutions of of Western liberal democracies in that we don't have a Bill of Rights uh, within our Constitution. So you don't find provisions like, you know, freedom of expression or freedom of speech or, uh, you know, a a clause against discrimination in our Constitution. So there wouldn't be an argument um, surrounding uh, that that could be made. Peter, I do have a question around the Marriage Act that um, was in place when John Howard's administration changed it, I think in 2004. Um, Back then, the Marriage Act was more gender neutral. It was around two consenting adults. Um, and, and, and I'm not a lawyer, so I might be, you know, punching above my weight here. But, you know, given that Tasmania wants to make these changes that would mirror, would, would take the Marriage Act at a state level back to what it used to be federally, isn't there some sort of argument for precedence there of, of a previous Marriage Act having been what it is that Tasmania wants to put through now? No, there's, there's, not, there's not really an argument in, in relation to precedent there, un, un, unfortunately. Uh, if anything, the fact that, that, that the Howard government uh, made these changes in, in 2004 uh, is an argument that suggests that maybe Tasmania can't do this because it was the very clear intent of John Howard and the parliament when that law was passed in 2004 to Friday, uh, stop the, the state. To stop the states from, from making these that, sorts of that, that was driven by what was happening um, currently there in the ACT that they wanted to, as a territory rather than a state, they had some uh, some space to argue that they were there, um, therefore able to to legislate under territory legislation rather than yes, state. Yes, that's right. So I, what can, you've just raised a point, and I think it's a point for another show, Peter, that we might get you back in to talk about. Um, is the fact that there is no, there's nothing in our federal constitution that prevents discrimination against those of around sexual orientation and, and gender diversity and that that concerns me greatly yes i mean i th- i think that is a concern i i think though it's probably worthwhile remembering that when our constitution was drafted in 1901 it's highly unlikely that a provision about even if they put a provision in there in relation to discrimination against race or sex or whatever they probably wouldn't have put one in about sexuality and that's always the risk with a bill of rights because they become frozen in the time when they were created in terms of the rights and values that were important in our case it would have been in 1901 um and so that's there's sort of there's sort of two there's two sides to that argument. One is that we obviously need some constitutional protection of our rights. That seems self-evident and important. The flip side is the risk of doing that is you, you do have these outdated statements of our rights because mm. rights are something that evolve. And the best example of that probably is the Second Amendment in the United States where they have this ludicrous right uh, to bear arms. 
you know, if they were, <laughs> if a government was drafting, <laughs> look how far that's getting them. Today, yes, yeah. they wouldn't put that in there. Absolutely not. <laughs> but, but but at a time when their constitution was drafted, it was something that was important because they had just had a violent uprising against uh, against against their English rulers. So there there are sort of two flip sides to that argument, but that is a fascinating debate. Look, Peter, as this debate unfolds in Tasmania and and this legislation is is. Um progressed we will keep in touch with you from a very much a, a constitutional law perspective thank you for joining us so late at night it's good thank of you, you peter it's, it's been really great to get that the, the sort of constitutional perspective as well we we do thank you for your time anytime okay take care mate that's peter black he's a senior lecturer at qut around sorry queensland university of technology around law media constitution and internet law smart cookie yeah he is a smart guy oh. and and somebody who um who I think we should stay in touch with as this this whole discussion unfolds. Look, I'll watch it with interest, actually, and uh, I think probably we're going to go to the Donald very shortly. Yep. It's the one thing we're doing this week that's the regular thing, and um, we might uh, it might be a no-brainer as to who the nominee is, yes. but let's get some messages and come back for the let's Donald. Let's do that. Oh, let's hey, see if this Dylan. can be the quickest Donald ever. Nominee. Westboro Baptist Church. Specifically? Uh, 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 Shelley Phelps Rogers. Oh, my God, Roberts, it's a no-brainer. Look, uh, you know, they're going to be listening to this. The Donald Award is our weekly award to whoever we feel is the most offensive to our existence. Yep. Um, we, 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 it's an homage to Donald Trump, who we believe is a bit of a tool. And this week, our winner is quite clearly by a, a golden mile, um, the Westboro Baptist Church and, in And uh, their Topeka, spokesperson Kansas. named Shirley. Um, we, we award this to you knowing that you will reject it outright. But, uh, you know, we feel that you're a very offensive organisation and, right. and a cult. Yes. Not and, a church. Not a not Christian organisation. And, and there's nothing about you guys that's about love. So um, It's all yours. It's all yours. You are the winner of the Donald Award this week. Yes. It's time to wrap this show. It's been a very exciting and, and vociferous program, no less. Uh, thanks to Peter Black, Lara Giddings, and, of course, to our guests from the Westboro Baptist Church. Um, we're finishing tonight with um, When I Am Old. Well, no, when I Grow Old and Gay. When I, when I Grow Old and Gay, and it's by a gay lesbian choir. And In Sydney. Again, you know, it's just our little shout-out to be, to be who you are. And to embrace who you are because you're born you this way. And, you know, we send this out to everyone with a bit of, bit of salt and pepper love. Uh, we'll convene to collectively on the 28th of, of August. Until then, I've been Pete Dillon and she's been... I've been Serena Ryan for most of the evening. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good Thanks night. for listening. Thanks for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9.
Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.